Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who can never resist a good butt joint joke. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's Wood Talk number 428 for March 26th, 2018. On today's show, we're talking about gouges versus scrapers, low-angle jack advice, tack cloths, our business names, and getting into the restoration business. I uh, want to mention that our show today is sponsored by our friends at Brusso Hardware. Brusso is the premier manufacturer of American-made brass and stainless steel hardware, with customers using these products for a variety of things, uh, ranging from boxes, furniture, and cabinetry. Brusso has the perfect item to complement your next project. Sign up for their newsletter, and you can keep up with the latest sales, announcements, customer-submitted photos, and more. To see their line of hardware, visit their website at bruso.com and then use the coupon code WOODTALK at checkout and you'll get 10% off. 10 whole percentages off your dollars. Ah, How great it's like is 1% that? 10 times. It really is. It's like uh, one-tenth of 100%. What? Can you believe that? It's significant. That is a significant saving. So go to Bruso Hardware and uh, it's bruso.com and you will not regret it. The best hardware you will ever get your little grubby mitts on. So, I think, today's show, I'm not going to really talk about anything because I, I dominated the last show for my Seattle trip, and we'll find out what's on the bench with Matt and Shannon. Shannon, you want to go first? Sure, sure. I, I, I wish I could say that there was a, a whole lot of like tangible stuff. Um, I'm in the middle of building an entirely new website um, <clears throat> at the Lumberyard and kind of mm. re-architecting the brand and all kinds of fun brand concept type meetings and things. That's been taking up a lot, but uh, I've been getting into the shop and I've been mostly doing demonstrations, mostly stuff for um, like my hand tool school apprentices and things. But it's been kind of fun in that respect, you know, to uh, not actually build anything, but tackle some joints that like I never would do normally, mm-hmm. like weird Japanese joinery and more obscure joints. Like I just did a knuckle joint, which is hardly that obscure. But, you know, unless you're making a gate leg table, there's really not a whole lot of use for it. Yeah. Um, so it was just kind of fun. So like the last couple of weeks, I've 
cranked out about what nine or ten of those type tutorials and uh having fun with it it's good. just you know for the academic pursuit of it all I think. yeah i think that's yeah. good and then and then i built a whole bunch of birdhouses um my wife is doing something with the Audubon Society and the Maryland Bluebird Restoration Society. And it's part of a lesson she was teaching at school. So nice. uh, I built some birdhouses and then built some birdhouse kits, which that's always fun when you build a project that's meant to be assembled by somebody else using like no sharp tools, <laughs> nothing that you can hurt you because you're handing it to like fifth grade girls. Yeah. So like you can't give them hammers, you, know, you can't give them knives. <laughs> But and and it was kind of interesting to find out just how little they know about screws and using a screwdriver. So it was interesting. That's cool. But yeah, made a bunch of birdhouses. That was fun too. Nice. Well, speaking of little baby birds, Matt, what have you been doing? <laughs> oh, oh, um, I'm so almost, cute. <laughs> Look at him. Totally done with the, the high boy situation. That Dang. is awesome. Finally, that, a very important it's, milestone. It's pretty. Almost, it's almost. I'm almost done with it. So. The guild project wrapped up two weeks ago. Yeah, I think. Weeks. And this week I spent three days editing the YouTube version, which was terrible because that was a lot of video to go through. <laughs> and oh man, I just I am just drained. I can't wait to be done with this thing. It's kind of crazy when you look at it in that broad perspective after you're done and you realize just how much content you produced for something of that scale. I, I was going through it. I'm like, oh my god, I don't. This is ridiculous. There's so much information here. And the uh, it's kind of hard, but also easy at the same time. It's like when you're editing that video, you don't put everything in there. So you're like, what do I take out? And then when you start taking things out, you're just like, delete, 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 delete. And yeah. the thing starts getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And you still have a, sol- a full enough story there. But there I is find so that so much, therapeutic. There's so like, much missing. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is it won't matter. It won't matter. Like in the free area, people just kind of want to see the general process from start to finish. And it looks amazing in a short period of time. And boom, there it is. I don't think anyone is going to say, hey, what about the, like, I guarantee you, you you let us know if anybody asks you about missing details. Well, like some... Some of the things like I don't, I didn't even add. Like I skipped the whole video. Like I'm not even gonna put in the parts about like picking up the actual elements. So we look at all the pictures in the books and pick up what we want to do for the project. Yeah, that video's not even in there. I took out all the finished prep, so you don't see anything about like finished sanding and making sure everything's perfect and all that stuff. And like some videos are like 15 minutes long, like the one about the hidden drawers where I actually make the drawers. That's like a 15 or 18 minute video. Mm-hmm. It's in the in the video on YouTube. It's 10 seconds. Yep. <laughs> I made this box and it goes in the hole. That's it. That's the hole. <laughs> there it is. That's how you, that's how woodworking happens. That's it. It's great. I'm like, well, at the same time, it's like, you want to see me dovetail another box together? Like, right. do I need to show that again? Definitely not. I already dovetail the case and then dovetail 11 drawers, which I only show one drawer being dovetailed in the video anyway. So it's, anyway, it's like, it's ridiculous. And then I also realized like how much I hate scripting videos and like doing stuff after the fact mm-hmm. so as like a I'll go a little inside baseball for you so like about like a, like a year year and a half ago whenever i started making the bandsaw mill i experimented with a new format for my videos where i do all of the narration and voiceover as i'm recording the video and everything is presented in i guess present tense in a sense so it's more yeah. like you're there mm-hmm. whereas in the past all the videos i did were all past tense where I would just record myself and I would just voice over all things I was doing. So it was me just telling a story of what I did, but with 
the format where you're like more present tense, it's like you're actually there experiencing in the moment, which is so much easier for me to produce because I absolutely hate script writing. Like I hate it. I'm really, I'm not very good at it no, in the sense not. of like being efficient at it. You're terrible at it. Like, I am very terrible. Mark knows. Mark knows I'm terrible at writing. <laughs> I go, hey, Matt, can you write a little promo for this real quick so I can put it on the website? Uh, uh, uh. By the time he's typing up a response, I've already written it. And I'm like, fine, forget it. Like, You're why, off even, the hook. why even ask so, at this point? Isn't, isn't that why Vanderlist's bio was on the Wood Talk page for like a year yeah. after he left? Yeah. <laughs> and guess who wrote his bio? <laughs> Me. Nicole. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. That's so great. <laughs> so uh, I, I think actually you should probably just start to do a third person narration. Oh gosh. So you'd be like, Matt's cutting a board right now. <laughs> look at Matt go. Look at Matt. Go. Look at it. Oh, he's very good at this. I think it'll be funny. How much longer do you think Matt's going to grow his hair before he starts putting in a ponytail? Right. Oh, look, um, Matt shaved. You know, that's a, actually a decent idea because I already know the comments that I'm going to get based on what is happening on screen at that moment. Right. Right. So, <laughs> Actually, one of my favorite games to play because I have like, I'm really there's nothing else in my life to amuse myself. <laughs> so when when comments pop up from my YouTube videos, like on my phone or whatever, it only shows me like a sentence or like the first whatever how many characters it doesn't tell you what video it's on. Mm-hmm. So my guess is based on those small a small amount of characters I see, guess what video they're referring to. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I'm usually pretty. I'm so actually pretty good at it. Let's let's back this up a bit. You get yeah. comment notifications on your phone for YouTube <laughs> comments? Are you insane? Yes. That's nuts. I mean, yes. Didn't you know I'm insane? How do you live like that? Uh, constantly on my phone. <laughs> yeah. You have you have a wife and kids to take care of, man. Turn those off. Of course, yeah. Yeah, but as he told us, he has nothing fun in his life. So. <gasps> Sorry, kids. Sorry, Lindsay. Oh, I've got to play my comment guessing <laughs> I game. To, I have to backpedal this one here a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so good the high boy's done that's great yep and halfway oh actually I'm more than more than halfway done up the the waterfall table thing i'm already 10 uh videos into that cool you're so, busy yeah. you're, you're keeping things going that's great yeah it's all all guild all the time all guild all the time that was that was my plan from the beginning um <laughs> uh, all right so succeeded. As, as for the content for the show today, uh, because we did take a good amount of time off, we've accumulated a number of voicemail comments and questions, and that is going to be the entirety of the rest of the show. So I think we can get it started with uh, someone new. His name's Harry the Robot. Hello, Wood Talk. I am Robot Harry. I am the narrator for the zombie Wood Turner on YouTube. <laughs> ZW does videos on wood turning and has noticed a cold war in the wood turning community. I wonder if you might explain why there is such a rift between gougers and scrapers. On a side note, if you are in need of robot narration services please let me know. My rates are reasonable and I am much more articulate than Matt Grimona. <laughs> Matt Grimona! <laughs> I like this. That's pretty I like this nice. Guy. Yeah, and, and cool. his narration probably comes with a transcript, so it's already written. It's great. I think we should do that for the end of the show. Like the contact info, no one has to read it. We just play a file. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, all right, so th- there's a, a war between gouges and scrapers in, in the turning world? There's a war between everything anywhere in the woodworking yeah, world. <laughs> that is true. Why is there one between gouges and scrapers? Because we have nothing else to do, apparently. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I yeah, um, I've seen this, you know, because I've done a fair amount of turning videos before, and I've actually found myself wondering, should I use my easy wood tool for this, or should I use the gouge? <laughs> yeah. You know, and just like Matt was saying, playing the game to yourself, what are the YouTube comments going to be <laughs> if I use this tool versus this tool? I kind of have just don't care anymore. I mean, I, I went through some of that. Um, the way I. Uh, I think scraping tools, and if anybody doesn't know, the little replaceable carbide inserts is what we're talking about. Easywood Tools is the brand, like the 10,000-pound gorilla there, but just about everybody's got some version of this now. Um, it, it It's a heck of a lot easier to use, but yes, it's actually scraping. It's not cutting. So, you know, there are certain things that you just can't do with a scraper. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think easy wood tools is trying to fight that by coming up with more and more different profiles for details and things like that. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's other things that we can fight over. Um, there's no question I can get a cleaner cut using a traditional gouge, but it's a lot steeper learning curve. There's a lot more presentation angle and rotation and lift of the handle and side to side motion and all that fun stuff. And the scraper, you just stick it into the spinning wood. (laughs) You shove it in and you go. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, for, I've always classified myself, classified myself as a wood turner, a furniture maker who turns. Um, I'm definitely not a wood turner. I'm not good enough to be a wood turner. Um, and I don't do it enough. I think if I did it more, my skills would be better. But I do it in the course of a project. You turn four legs on a table and then you go off and do a bunch of other stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and you yep. don't touch the lathe again for six months or whenever the next project is. <laughs> so in that respect, <laughs> that was like you know, my high boy. I turned the legs and then yeah. I'm like six months later, I turned finials. <laughs> <laughs> right. So wait a minute. So you guys are furniture makers who turn. You know what I am? I'm okay. a furniture maker who has a lathe. Yeah. Uh, your furniture maker who has a wife that is kind of interested in turning. She says she's interested, but she never turns anything. Right. <laughs> so that yeah, that's the story of our lathe and our, our turning life. I think the 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 scraping stuff and the carbide tips. I actually am a huge proponent of it because I I think people when they're first starting out in anything should have success. And I think without you know really digging into it too deep someone can hit the lathe and immediately have some pretty good successes without a lot of snags and grabs and catches. And they can get to that point where it's like, Oh man, this is fun. And then eventually if they want to, they can get into the more refined things that can be done with the traditional turning tools. But personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with those scraping tools. And then they can get into the traditional tools where they get plenty of catches and scrapes and bumps. Boom, yeah. baby. Yeah. yeah. They go from totally safe and happy until this world that they skipped over. Yep. I, I don't know. Maybe they'll go back to the scraper tools again. Yeah, they could. There's always <laughs> that element of risk, you know, and not so much. Certainly there's risk as far as actually getting hurt, but there's more risk of, you know, split second. This is going great. <clears throat> oh, no, I got to start all over, you know, because then they're, but, they're, then again, you watch like a maestro at the lathe, a oh, yeah. someone like Ashley <laughs> just watching her turn was it was poetic. It was like her, she's making music with wood. It was so good and so elegant. And you, like, if I went in there, it'd be a totally different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would not be elegant. Yeah. That one sweeping pass she makes around the inside curve of a bowl. And oh, then suddenly, God. okay, finish ready. Yep. Like, you suck. There you go. <laughs> um, yep. All right. Next one we have here is from James in Oklahoma. This is for Matt. Oh, yeah. Man, I have no, some quick no. for Matty Ice. 
Matty Ice. On the low angle jack <laughs> discussion, you mentioned that it was uncomfortable on the hand and you didn't like the way that it felt uh, kind of <laughs> gripping it. Try using it as you would a Japanese style plane. So uh, essentially pull it towards you and I think that you'll find that to be a little bit more comfortable. I'm, I'm in the opposite end of the spectrum. My hands are too big for the plane, uh, but when I flip around the other way, it just kind of feels a lot better and the the plane seems to work a lot better in that because uh you get more downward pressure on the the front of the plane uh whereas the design doesn't necessarily help with that so give that a shot and uh let us know what you think so pull instead of push that's an interesting idea can't wait to see the comments on that one yeah why don't you try that Hmm. let us know how it works out i can try it i can do that let me know uh, okay, we got another one here from Michael. Hey guys, this is Michael from Cleveland. I've been watching a lot of videos on the General Finishes website lately, uh, and they seem to go through a lot of tack cloths. Uh, I know from watching Guild videos um, and other videos on Mark's website that Mark is super tacky, but I also know from watching <laughs> those videos that he doesn't use tack cloths before finishing, or at least it seems like he doesn't. I don't think I've ever seen him use one. Uh, so my question is, uh, you know, what's your take on tack cloths? There's a lot of info out there saying that they leave residue and mess up your finish, but uh, other people, and especially general finishes, seem to really love them. So uh, I'd love your take on that. Thanks very much. Bye. I am tacky indeed. I'll be the first oh, person to do that. <laughs> so tack cloths are fine. Um, I've got, by the way, if you want to know the secret, secret little language tip here. If you want to know something that I'm dismissing, but I'm trying to be polite about it, I'm going to say it's fine. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. I just realized that they're fine. It's fine. fine. <clears throat> Nothing wrong with tack cloths. Uh, yeah. I mean, there is the possibility of getting some residue on the surface, but I think you got to push pretty hard to do that. And the idea of a tack cloth is it's just a light thing over the surface has the, uh, properties that it's just grabbing little dust bits and nibs on the surface and pulls them up. So unless you're really pushing hard, I don't think you're going to have any major problems. But for me, a tack cloth, it's just another thing to have in the mm-hmm. shop, like another mm-hmm. thing to buy, or if you make it yourself, uh, another thing to make. And I find that uh, vacuuming off the dust with a soft bristle brush and my shop vac, and then a light, you know, very, very lightly dampened rag or a microfiber cloth, uh, giving it a quick wipe down has produced great results for me. So with those things that are readily available, why would I bother with a tack cloth? Um, I'm going to have to wait until I experience something that makes me go, well, darn it. I wish I would have gotten more stuff off the surface. It's pretty flawless when I'm done. So if I don't need to use a tack cloth, why bother? That's yeah, pretty much I the think that's the, my issue is I've never, I, I had them when I first started woodworking because I was told that that's what you needed yeah, to you're have. supposed to have yep. them. Yep. And, you know, I ran out and just never replaced them. And I have yet to have a finish go wrong. You know, I don't even do as much as you just did. Yeah. Um, I use like the same well, you never finish your t-shirt material rag, you know, that, that I use to apply the finish. I just grab a clean bit of that and, and wipe it off. And you see that you kind of get the, this is after like 600 grit sanding and it kind of gets that white powdery look on the surface and I wipe it. So the white powdery thing is gone. Yeah. You know, I find that the static, cling if you will of the t-shirt material is enough to just pull off the powder that i need sure. um, i also tend to work with more open poured woods so 
hey, pore filler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing is I, I'm gravitating more toward just like the hand applied oils and sort of hand rubbed finishes. And they are right. a whole lot more forgiving to like stuff being on the surface. Yeah. I mean, if I'm doing a French polish, yeah, tack cloth might be a good idea. You know, if I've already pour filled. Sure. Yeah. Like the, uh, you know, a rubbed lacquer finish too. You know, those, those things yeah. where it really, really matters, man, eh, maybe, but I don't think I even did when I did, when I did a, a buffing out on like the humidor, the only time I've really done that on a project and, uh, it's just a matter of cleanliness. And, and I think the vac is great for that, but you know, tomato, tomato. Um, all right. So Nick has a question here and just production note, fellas, I actually have to hurry up because I didn't realize what time it was and I got to take my kid to the doctor. So uh, we're going to kind of speed through these. Hey guys, happy Monday and hello to the woodworking apes, the albino gorilla, the knuckle dragging orangutan and the capricious, no, I mean uh, capuchin monkey. My question today is actually (laughs) about names. As someone who wants to do woodworking and have a YouTube channel, maybe one day a podcast and do things like that. I'm wondering how you came up with your names, because that seems to be the first place to start. And I'm having a hard time. Uh, Just for example, my name is Nick Svikowskis. I do woodworking and carpentry as a job. And nobody can pronounce or spell my last name. So I'm trying to come up with titles, which is actually difficult. So I'm wondering how you guys came up with your handles, I guess. And what advice do you have for people trying to make some up for themselves? I love watching the show and keep it up. I'm still working on catching up on all the episodes. Thanks, guys. Hmm. All right. Well, let's very quickly go around and and talk about... I have a feeling Matt's name uh, story is going to be pretty boring. Got it from my mama. (laughs) My mama gave it to me. Mine was very simple. Um, You know, let's go back to 2006. And let's not. Sh- let's not. <laughs> Matt wasn't even alive yet. Uh, <laughs> there was a show called The Dog Whisperer, which is probably still on on some channel. Who knows? Caesar Milan. Yeah, Caesar Milan and his dog training stuff. And uh, that was really kind of just starting, or at least just getting popular at the time. And I was talking to my brother, and he said, uh, "I was like, yeah, I'm trying to come up with a name for this like online video thing that I'm doing." He's like, "You should call yourself the Wood Whisperer." And I said, "Okay." And uh, <laughs> whether I want it or not, now we're stuck with it, and that's who we are. Um, Shannon, what about you? Um, simply when I started woodworking, I kind of just was so interested in every aspect of it. Yeah. You know, I had a lathe, I was playing around with some hand tools. I was playing around with like a scroll saw and doing like marquetry stuff. I was doing cabinetry work and I just, I was like, there's no way that I could ever just do one thing. And there's, I just want to do everything. So I'm a Renaissance man doing a little bit of everything. Um, and that's where Renaissance woodworker tagline is so many projects so much so little time that's it's a renaissance thing kind of like a da vinci was a renaissance man not that i'm doing renaissance period work i kind of thought it would have been like you sitting down and going all right what is the most pretentious name i could possibly come up with yeah that was a later thing (laughs) what are are the what name could come up with it to be most misspelled the most difficult to spell that's that's uh, the most difficult to type in and get the URL correct. Yes, perfect. Which yeah. is why when I launched my membership site, I just called it the Hand Tool School. Yeah. So Not then that. running that into, you know, creating a new name, 
what, what kind of like, like he's mentioning his name is actually fairly difficult to spell and remember. Uh, so you unpronounceable woodworker. It's yeah, done. there you go. So what, uh, Matt, do you have any advice for him on selecting a name? Uh, if you still want to go like self branded, you could do something like Tyler G does and just do whatever. What is his name? Nick S. Is that what it was? Yeah, S. I think so you could do something like that or just do something with your last name to change it up. So it's like, you know, like the Americanization of everybody's, um, immigrant grandparents sure. at Ellis Island or whatever. Yes. Right. Like mine. You know, Giovanni windbreaker. <laughs> or like maybe take a portion of his name and see if there's a woodworking, a common woodworking term that that could be like a play on words with. Um, <sighs> I think it depends. I think it's the big decision if you want to take a monkeyer or not. Well, a monkeyer moniker. You didn't wow, know, but, but what would you? What I you, told you, you, I have not. What you actually said was monkeyer. <laughs> like, is he trying to say moniker? <laughs> I'm aware just, of what I said. He just said monkeyer, didn't he? He said monkeyer. He's the, so we have Dactylily from a couple shows ago, and now we have monkeyer. <laughs> you know, you're, you're such a bad you Googleizer, Matt. <laughs> I can't even spell your name. All right. Here's the great thing: monkeyer is probably a URL that's available. Yeah, I'm not doing this again. If you just want to. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with the name is it's tricky because there's a lot of things that you can't predict, like directions your business is going to go, uh, ramifications for using your actual name versus some kind of a weird monkeyer. Um, there, there's. You know, it sounded good when I said it. It sounds stupid when you say it, right? No, it, it really didn't, Matt. It really didn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, the, 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 you just, it's hard because you can't predict what you're going to do. Are you going to do a podcast? Or are you going to be, is there going to be something with your personality that you didn't expect that becomes part of the show that you, you know, look at drunken woodworker, you know, so David yeah. Picciuto, probably not a name that you would want to use for the business, a very, you know, very ethnically obvious sort of name, um, mm-hmm. uh, difficult to spell. So he goes with the drunken woodworker, but then it got to a point where I think he just wanted to change things. He wanted a different presentation for who he is and, you know, make something becomes, which is much more generic. And I think drunken is probably difficult for him to sell, you know, as, as yeah. for advertisers and stuff, but it worked for him at the beginning and then eventually didn't work. So granted, but also he, look to where he's gone now, where it's, where he presents it as make something with David Picciuto. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I mean, even more steps. It's really, I don't know that there's any hard and fast rules, but it is a tricky, it is a tricky thing to, and I think you're smart for thinking about it, but ultimately don't let that stop you from doing stuff. Because you just get out there and start doing things, you might actually find and, and circumvent some problems by getting a little content under your belt and a little community interaction, and then suddenly yeah. you can kind of find your identity. Yeah, your content could shape your name as well, depending on where you go there. Yes, exactly. What, what it is you make. True that. <clears throat> All right. Got one more here. Two more, actually. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. This is Stephen from South Carolina. Just calling to let you know I love the show and love everything you guys do. This question's uh, for all three of you, but probably more in the wheelhouse of Shannon than anyone else. Um, I'm looking to get into the furniture restoration business, especially, you know, antique, quality furniture, craftsman period, art deco, um, anything but sort of Queen Anne. Uh, It's never really been my style, so I don't really know too much about it. Matt makes it look gorgeous, though. 
But the reason I was uh, calling to ask is, how does one get into the restoration business? Is it classes? Is it videos to watch? Is there you know a formal training process? Or is it, like most things in woodworking, learn as you go and try not to screw it up too much along the way? So if uh, any of you guys have some great input, uh, I would really appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> okay. Of the three of us, which of us has worked in a restoration shop? Me? All of us? And yet the question's for me somehow. <laughs> I was like, I know Mark worked in a restoration shop. I don't think I did. No, I, I, but I, I'm, I'm happy to answer this because I think how do you get in the restoration business? You start doing woodworking as business. Because I think that that is the side business that just about every woodworker has either fallen into or fallen back on mm-hmm. when, when times are lean. Because everybody has... Just put out your shingle. Everybody has a piece that grandma gave them that they want cleaned up or that, you know, they set the hot bowl of soup down on and now there's a, you know, a cloudy ring on the top. Restoration is everywhere. So all you have to do is say you're a woodworker and you're going to get restoration business. If you say that you specialize in restoration, you may actually get more. But like yeah. the the first person that comes to mind is Freddie Roman. You know, totally. incredible furniture maker, but he has made a name for himself and as a period furniture restoration expert, you know, down to the finest detail. And there's a real niche that he's tapped into there. Yes, he also builds custom furniture, but, you know, restoration specialist, I think, is even in his logo somewhere. So uh, I, I there's nothing easy about making a living with woodworking, but I think that may be one of the easier parts, finding <laughs> restoration work. <laughs> It is, but also be, there. there's furniture refinishing, and that's like what yeah, goofballs like me would do. And then there's restoration. And I think if you are truly looking to make that into some kind of a, a career path, um, you need to work with someone else. You need to find yeah, there someone. There are programs specifically for that. Yeah. Know, curation jobs. I know Winterter has a program for it. So um, well, he said he was in Charleston, didn't he? I think so. But it, it's like experience is everything in restoration. So if you can apprentice or intern or get a job working at some place that, that does restoration, that is going to be the easy or the I would say the fastest track to getting information that you're probably not going to find easily online. I mean, maybe there's stuff out there, but um, I, I just there's so many secrets and tricks of the trade specifically yeah. for restoration and rules. Because that's the other thing. If you're doing true restoration, you can't just go in there with like Home Depot, Home Depot, not Depot, turn it into a French word, um, Home Depot stripper and, you know, douse it on this thing and then coat it with some Minwax Poly. Um, There are rules that you're going to need to follow for certain things. Look, the veneer's coming up too. Yay. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I I would seek out, I would seek out a local museum like the, the Mesda down, Mesda? No, that's in Rhode Island. Whatever. There, there are plenty of old buildings and old kind of um what's the word i'm looking for like restored houses and things like that down there um look up their curators and and seek seek an audience with the curator and say look this is what i want to do what do you recommend where what are the programs you know if you were hiring someone to be a restoration specialist for your museum what qualifications do they have i think you'd learn a lot doing that for sure all right i had one more here but i actually do have to go nicole gave me the stink eye and the twirling finger that says, get it going, Spags. So I think it's time to go. Uh, Shannon, how about you give them the contact info and I will get the heck out of here. All right. 
Uh, thank you, everybody, for all the voicemails. It was good stuff. So yeah. if you have comments or questions and you want us to send us a voicemail, use that fancy voice memo app on your smartphone and send it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or if you want to type it out, go to woodtalkshow.com slash contact and leave your question, comment, etc. there. And don't forget, you can, of course, visit our website at woodtalkshow.com or catch us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. We are at woodtalkshow. Oh, show. Oh, show indeed. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.